so excited you're along for the rise. Here at Rising, we talk all things manifestation, life purpose, and more. Join me in today's episode as we rise together. Seeking a digital escape in between swiping through apps all day? With Portal, you can go just about anywhere at any time. With over 30 locations, you can hop into any landscape, experiencing the sounds and sights of that location. Its mixed audio feature allows you to experience this portal landscape alongside your favorite audiobook, podcast, or guided meditation. They even offer meditations of their own with various breathing exercises that you can find in Portal's escape mode. My personal favorite portal, the Amazon Jungle Rainforest. I felt like I was truly there and I could experience that post-rain smell. Portal really allowed me to feel like I could hop anywhere at any time from the comfort of my own home. Get started with your portal journey today. Use my discount code in the description down below, RISING20. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Rising. It is your host, Nista Dubey, and I am here with Roy Bianco Lana, a relationship coach and trainer who's here today to chat more about the dynamics of leveling up with oneself in order to attract one's ideal relationship. So, Roy, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. I can't wait to discuss this topic. I know. We were just chatting off air. And tell me what, what it really means to be a relationship trainer and how that translates into what you do. Yeah, sure. It, it really speaks to the perspective that I have developed over the years. I've been doing this for a long time. And in my experience, most people think the key to being in a healthy, sustainable relationship is finding the right person right? So there's so much emphasis on where to go, what to say, how to attract, you know, how to flirt. And, you know, and you have a list of qualities you want in a partner and it's very them focused, right? Where do I meet them? What do I say to them? How do I get them to want my phone number or, you know, so it's very, very them focused. Well, what I have learned is even though those are legitimate questions and concerns, what I have really learned is that the quality of the relationship you're going to have is much more about how healthy and mindful and conscious and evolved and solid and grounded you are. <laughs> okay. Now, it's, it's, that's not very fun, right? It's always better to, to put the, put the pressure on the other person, right? I want a great relationship. And so they have to be great. But I've really learned that you can never be in a relationship that's healthier than you are. And, and you will never attract someone who is healthier than you are. So what I have learned is if you can shift, and it's so hard to do because everything, well, I don't say everything, but almost everything that's coming your way in terms of information on relationships and love and intimacy and connections and partners, it's all about them. It very little is putting the mirror up to your own face and saying, let's look in the mirror. Let's look at your baggage. Let's look at your limiting beliefs. Let's look at your childhood conditioning. Let's look at what I call your relationship personas or your personality blind spots, right? So when I say trainer, it's because I have learned that if I can get my clients in great relationship shape, 
then the rest of it almost takes care of itself. Right. So, you know, there are what I call seven relationship muscles. Perhaps we'll get into a couple of them, but I, you know, just to use the metaphor of, of physical fitness, I use it for relationship fitness, right? So I think there are seven relationship muscles within us that if they're strong, you are setting yourself up for success. But if they're weak, if some of those muscles are flabby, okay, then your, your love life is going to show it in some way. So the whole key I've learned through much pain in my own life, okay, I mean, most of, most of what I bring to the table comes from my own experience, right? And so the whole key to making a, a relationship work and having a healthy dynamic, it's about getting yourself in relationship shape. Now, just a couple quick points on that. Most people's ego goes one of two directions with that, okay? Either you think you're God's gift, okay? So that would be my problem back in the day. I, I thought my love life sucked because it was all the woman's fault, right? <laughs> I really had, I was great at pointing the finger of blame. But there was a day when I recognized that I'm the common denominator in all of these relationships. It can't possibly be all their fault, right? So, you know, the... The, the issue really is about looking at yourself and just recognizing and wondering, what am I doing that I'm missing, right? Um, so the ego, either you overestimate yourself, oh, I'm in great shape, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not perfect, but most of my relationship problems are because of them, those men, those women, right? Now, the other side of the ego can go very negative. Oh, everything's my fault. I'm the worst. I've got all the problems in the whole universe are just living within me. And we go real self-blame and self-loathing and stuff like that. So the truth is somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> you know, you're not God's gift and you're not the worst person that's ever lived, right? But the ego has a tendency to not want to look at itself and not want to take ownership that, Maybe my love life isn't very good because I've got some things to work on here. And I, I just find that that's true for all of us, that we could all use to get in better relationship shape. You mentioned, yeah. um, you know, the overarching conceptual idea of having these different characteristics or concepts we can work on, but what, what are those seven muscles? What do they entail? And, and how do we, you know, really cultivate them? The first one is what I would call the communication muscle. You know, the, the relationship you have to your inner truth, to your reality, right? So even on my own podcast, you know, it's called the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. I just did, I just did a, a couple of, you know, episodes on this whole idea of authenticity, right? So if I was to ask, you know, your audience, do you want to be in a relationship that's characterized by openness and transparency and authenticity, you know, and, and being real, or do you want to be in a relationship that's characterized by withholds and manipulation and games and um, lying and half truth, right? Everybody says they want to be in an authentic relationship. Okay until they really learn what that actually means, right? So we have a relationship to our inner truth. And what I mean by that is our authentic experience moment to moment, 
what we're feeling in our bodies, sensation wise, our current emotions, what we're thinking, what we're wanting, right? So when I say inner truth, I don't mean what you believe about God or the universe or politics or even religion or spirituality. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the present moment truth of what's going on inside of you. I sort of want to know what you do with that. Do you reveal that? Are you committed to living out loud? Are you committed to what I call uh, relating nakedly, right? Remember the old story in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they were in the garden and it says they were both naked and unashamed, right? Mm. That didn't mean they didn't have clothes for God's sakes. It's a spiritual text. That means they were bare before one another. They weren't covered up. There was no secrets. There was no hiding. It's like, I see you. I see all of you. And there's no shame. There's no judgment, right? So the more we can relate nakedly, the more authentically we show up, the more of a chance you have at creating a healthy dynamic. But most of us were so afraid of being rejected. You know, we're afraid of being maybe ridiculed or being judged or being misunderstood that we have a hard time letting another person know what we really feel, what we really want, what our, our inner truth is. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, we end up playing games. We, we end up what I call being a redacted self. Okay? <laughs> Meaning, you know, government documents, you know, when they, they release them, they, they black out a lot of the lines that they don't want the public to see, right? So right. <laughs> that's how we date sometimes. It's like, I want to black out that. I don't want them to know about that about me. I don't want them to know I'm lonely and I'm sort of feeling needy. I don't want them to know that I can be kind of a neurotic mess. I don't want them to know that I'm insecure or I'm prone to be jealous or, you know, we, we don't want people to know the things that we think they won't find attractive. But we do want to show everybody the things that we feel like they will find attractive. Now, when you're doing that, you're setting yourself up for all kinds of nightmares. But all of us do it. We all play that kind of, especially in the romance phase, in the beginning, right? You sort of can figure out, I like this person. Ooh, they're cute. Oh, they're, you know, well, I want them to like me. So I'll tell them about this. I'll show this, but I'm not going to show that part. Now, eventually that part comes out, right? And mm -hmm. then the person might say to you, you know, who are you? Or what have you done with the person I met, right? So the first muscle you got to work on is really a deep one. It's really a commitment to saying, I want to be a revealer rather than a concealer. Mm. Because part of what the law of attraction does work for is sort of the way you, the game that you do play, because you can play the game of I'm revealing, I'm going to be authentic, yeah. right? So when we talk about everybody wants an authentic relationship, and then when you know what being authentic actually means, which, which means that it's revealing your inner truth moment to moment, then people are like, oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But here's the law of attraction issue. The game that you show up playing is the game that you attract. All of us want to feel secure in a relationship. We all want to feel like that person loves me, is committed to me, and we can relax and feel secure. But if you have not been naked with them, if you've not shown them 
all of you, even the parts of you that you, nah, I don't, I don't even like some of these parts of me. <laughs> if you haven't shown them that, and you, you've only shown them the good stuff, well, they have fallen in love with the good stuff, but you know, they haven't fallen in love with you. And there's a place in you that says the shoe's going to drop, or what if I'm found out, or what if they see my anger problem? Right. What if they see my narcissistic streak or what if they see my little neurotic? I can be a real mess sometimes. <laughs> what if they see my drama queen side? Right. You never get to feel secure because you're always afraid if they knew all, if they saw me naked. This wouldn't work. Yeah. And so you're in a relationship, but you're never you never feel like you're loved unconditionally because you can only be loved unconditionally when you show someone all of you. And they're like, yeah, you're not perfect, but I love you just the way you are. Then you're in business. So that that's just a huge issue. I've never met anyone that doesn't need to get this muscle stronger. I've been there hearing you talk about that. I'm like, that's so true. You hear everyone talk about, go on about their values of honesty in a relationship or people who are single who complain about you know, all of the men or the women out there in the world who are maybe like playing the game or it's like internally, like, have you healed the wounds that may call for codependency and maybe yeah. landing you that same pattern over and over? Right. I think that's something that took me a while to realize. So I'm really glad that you mentioned the law of attraction component in there. And I feel like, as you said, we could spend hours talking about the different muscles, but since you mentioned the law of attraction, and that's what I specialize in and talk about. Yeah. I know you've also mentioned the dangers to it. Yes. And kind of where that can come into play. So I'm really curious about what that looks like in terms of balancing, not even balancing, I don't think that's the right word, just cultivating mm -hmm. a conscious, healthy relationship yeah. versus when we veer into this law of attraction world where it can get kind of risky. Yeah. 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 I always say that the law of attraction can work for you or against you. Mm. Because the law of attraction in its most basic form just means like attracts like. Right. So what we've already said, you can already tell that if you're not in very good relationship shape, you're going to attract someone else who's not in very good relationship shape. And then you're going to have a codependent or drama experiencing kind of connection. So that I harp on this all the time that you don't use the law of attraction. You don't choose, oh, today I'm going to going to use a law of attraction anymore that you get up in the morning and say, I'm going to use gravity today. If it's a law, then it's always operating. You just have to decide whether you are in alignment with it and it's working for you, right? Even with gravity, you could jump off a building, it, the law of it, then the law of gravity is going to work against you. You're going to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? It's sort of that way. So that's a good point. <laughs> so we have what I call relationship personas. Okay. Now, we don't have time to go into this a lot, but I'll show you from my experience. I used to be someone I caught would call Roy the rescuer. Okay. I grew up in a home where for me as a little boy, and this took a lot of, a lot of coaching sessions I went through with my own coach to kind of get at this. Um, but I learned at a very early age, the way to be close to my mother, who we could say is sort of my first girlfriend, the first feminine interaction for me, the way to be close to her was to make my life be about fulfilling her agenda. Because if mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy, right? If I wanted to feel warmth, emotional connection, then I had to sort of 
forget what I wanted. And mommy, I mean, I'll, I'll be a good boy. I will do what you want me to do. And, and all of that. So I learned a dynamic unconsciously at four, five, six years old. Okay. That the way you get women to want you is if you make your life be about sort of taking care of them. Now you fast forward, I'm 40 years old. And I'm telling my coach, why do I keep attracting women who are like damsels in distress? They have these high powered, great jobs. They're making great money, but they got two kids at home. They're single mothers. They're overwhelmed. They just can't manage. I mean, it's just, they're just, you know, very successful, but overwhelmed. And well, here comes Roy, the rescuer. I will make my life be about taking care of yours because I'm already programmed to think, well, that's how you get a woman to like you, Roy. And so the law of attraction would say, if I'm in that mentality, that I'm in this persona of being a rescuer, then I'm going to attract a damsel because a rescuer has to have a damsel in order for him to function, right? Right. They go to the like cookies and milk, they go together, mm -hmm. right? And so that, that was my pattern. I kept attracting women who were these damsels in distress. Now, you know, I, I met women, I started cleaning their house and doing their dishes and raising their kids, doing their laundry, taking them tutoring, soccer. I was, not because that's how I wanted to express love. Mm -hmm. It's because I feared that if I wasn't that guy, then she would never want me. So I attracted, I kept attracting damsels in distress. And I had to function as Roy the rescuer. And it was this codependent nightmare because after a while you get tired of functioning in these roles that are coming from fear. So that's why I say, be careful with the law of attraction here mm -hmm. <laughs> because if you've got some childhood wounding, if you've got some personality blind spots, if you've got some of these relationship personas, if some of these muscles aren't strong, you're gonna attract all right. But yeah. you're, you're attracting from your wounded self, not from your essential or highest self. Trauma bond. Right, mm -hmm. right. So if you get yourself in really good relationship shape, then the law of attraction could work for you. Sure. But most of us aren't. And that's why most of us say we have these patterns. Why do I attract men who are emotionally unavailable or men who are sort of wounded soldiers and they just need to be patched up and fixed and... Why do I attract, you know, people that are addicts or, you know, whatever pattern it is, right? So that, that's my little spiel on the law of attraction is the more you work on yourself, the more it works for you. I'm really glad you mentioned that law of attraction is always happening. It's always working. It's always working subconsciously. I've never really, I think on my platform and in the content I've made, presented both those the, those polarities. So I love that you mentioned that in the context of why we attract certain behaviors and patterns again and again. I've um, rarely met someone who can't point to a pattern. They might be different mm -hmm. people from different backgrounds and stuff, but it's, it's like, I'm in the, it's like, I have a nickname for it. It's called relationship groundhog day syndrome. It's like you're in the same over and over the same relationship over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's because when you're showing up as Roy, the rescuer or whatever your persona is, you just keep attracting the same thing over and over. So the way to get out of a pattern is not about trying to find the right person. <laughs> it's about changing the dynamic in you, that magnetic 
vibrational, whatever, whatever words you want to use, that thing that you're doing that is attracting the pattern in the first place. So it's not about them. It's always about you and doing right. your work. Even if you're 18, 20, 24, and you're, you know, you're, you're pretty much a, a young person. I mean, I work a lot with people sometimes who are older and they have a lot more baggage and so forth, but it doesn't matter. We all, we all have stuff. <laughs> we all have stuff. And I think that also just like the more open that you are to your own healing, the more you're going to open yourself up to these resources. So, so many people I think who are listening in right now are people who want to understand how all of this works or are curious or open-minded in some way. So it's going to, I think it's going to apply to them. Um, I know you're also, you've done your research on what some of the most common factors are that can really sabotage one's left life. So I'm, I'm curious in you elaborating a little bit more on that. Yeah. One of the things that can really sabotage you is another muscle that I call your relationship to your past. Okay. So I often joke that the only people in the world that don't have some kind of baggage are the little babies in the maternity ward. Okay. Um, we all have got bumps and bruises and wounds and scars to varying degrees, sometimes horrible trauma um, from childhood, wounding, abuse, addiction. Um, but all of us have probably been dumped by someone or, you know, ghosted, gaslighted, just if there's one issue I think that affects people more than anything else is they have trouble trusting because in the past, people have hurt them, deceived them, cheated on them, lied to them, ghosted, whatever, right? So when you have some baggage, when you have these emotional scars, uh, when the past is alive in you, right? When it's, it's not something that happened, it's something that's sort of happening, right? It's, it's still kind of alive in me. Then when you meet someone, you're bringing your past with them. And the trust issue that you're going to, you're going to be a little guarded. You're going to be suspicious. You're going to maybe even have a wall around your heart. Right. And that can be felt by people that guardedness, suspiciousness, that wall can be felt. You don't even have to advertise it. People we're energetic beings. We, even if we can't describe it, people can feel that. So when that past is alive, two things happen. One, it really turns off quality people because I've really ne never met or heard of a quality person that brings like a sledgehammer to a date. Nobody wants to take their sledgehammer and break down your wall. It's like, you got that wall, you've had some things happen in your past and you've got me at arm's length. You're making this relationship go much slower than maybe it should. You're, ma you're, you're making me prove myself to you, right? Uh, when we go through some pain, we often approach a relationship that I don't trust you until you prove to me that I can open my heart to you, right? Well, I can feel that. I can feel that I'm sort of paying for somebody else's sins. And if I'm a good person, I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to spend my life proving myself to you. I don't, that's whatever happened to you wasn't about me. So I'm going to go to that girl over there whose arms are just wide open. Come get me, come play. Let's dance. If you're an idiot, I'm going to kick you in the balls and send you down the street, right? So there's the difference. You can go through life with your arms crossed saying, you better prove it to me because I've been hurt before and I want to protect myself. And I have no judgment there. 
So we do go out into the world with kind of our shields up. <laughs> the force field is around us and people can feel it, right? Uh, the other way to go through life is to be wide open. My heart is vulnerable. It's open. It's I'm accessible. I'm available. I'm going to trust you until you show me that I shouldn't. And once you show me, then we're done because I have boundaries because I'm, my eyes are wide open, but I'm not starting our interaction thinking you're going to cheat on me too, or I don't want to open myself up too soon, or I don't, I don't want to be too responsive. I don't want to let this guy or this girl know how I really feel about them. Because man, if I let them know that I'm sort of into them, they're going to take advantage of me. They're going to feel like they're, they have power over me. So you start playing these games, right? Mm -hmm. So the work of letting go of your past is huge. And the more past you have, the more important it is. Because the other part is then you, you bring it and you project it. Right. You're going to hurt me the same way everybody else has. My dad was an idiot. My brothers were idiot. My first few boyfriends were idiots or, you know, change the genders to whatever. Right. And, and you, you're going to project that like your past. It's like wearing a, a pair of sunglasses. Trees look a little pink. Cars look a little pink. People look a little pink. Right. But you know, that no, they're not pink. It just looks that way because I'm wearing these sunglasses. So you know what the reality is. When the past is alive in, in you, you're looking through the, the sunglasses of your past and it's tinting your view of everything. But you don't know that it's, that it's happening. You actually do think men or women are scary, can't be trusted. You better be careful. You can't open up too soon, right? So you're looking through your past, but you don't know that you're doing it. So you actually think you're right about all this. And that's just gonna, that's gonna sabotage you. So what do you do? Well, you need to work with you or with me and help let go of your past, help understand it in a new way, help drop some of the pain. You will have a scar still, but it doesn't have to be stand, your past doesn't have to stand between you and your next partner. You know, you don't have to have a weird threesome, you know, you, yeah. them, and your past. <laughs> that's, that's a, in my book, I call that a menage a trois from hell, right? It's like, <laughs> right? So it, that's, that's one of the major ways we sabotage ourselves. So there's that communication piece, and then there's letting go of your past piece. And you know, there's five other ones that we probably can't get to today, but they're in my book. And that's what it's, that's how, that's what I mean about being a trainer, right? I'm working on that stuff. Not about where do I go on Saturday to meet somebody cute. That's nice. But if you have all this stuff going on, no matter where you go, you're, you're going to just bring all that with you. 100%. I, we create our own self-fulfilling prophecies because I think yeah. it begins it, it feels safe when we stay in the narrative of what's happened in the past. Like you said, we have these like veneers on where every future event that we think is going to occur in our life will follow the same narrative. And I think that oftentimes people are waiting for this miracle or the saving grace where everything just shifts at once, but yeah. it's within you and it's within the shadow work. And I think even to this day, I talk about shadow work and people ask me, what is that? What is, what is inner work or how do you do inner work? 
Um, you've worked with a coach. I know you've done your work, but what does that look like for you? I know different things work for everyone. One is a perspective. I could say it this way. It's a perspective that everything in your life and the results and experiences that, that are happening, you can either view it as something's happening to you or by you. In other words, you can see yourself as a victim. I often use a, an analogy of um, like a Hollywood blockbuster movie. Okay. Like you can view your life as a movie. Now you can just be in somebody else's movie. I'm just playing a role. I'm playing a bit part. It's not my movie. I'm not picking my cast members. I'm not, I didn't write the, the movie. I'm not directing it. You know, I'm not the producer. I'm just in the movie and I, I just, things happen, right? You can view your life that way, or you can view your life that it's a movie, but it's your movie. Like you're the director, you're the producer, you wrote the movie, you decided on the plot, you chose the actors and told them what to do. <laughs> now, this is quite radical to take 100% responsibility for what you have experienced. It ends blame. But the ego does not like to take responsibility. It likes to say, yeah, but my boyfriend cheated on me or my girlfriend did this or that, right? And so inner work, it can only occur and it begins at the point when you are willing to just step into responsibility. For some reason, it's unconscious to me. It might be because of my childhood conditioning, my person, my, my personality, my relationship personas. But I'm not blaming myself because there's things I just, I'm, I'm unconscious of. But the inner work begins by saying, I want to look how I'm the one that's doing all this to myself. And when a person's really willing to do that, the aha moments that happen because I just believe the universe conspires when we are really willing to stop blaming and say, what am I missing? What am I doing? How, how am I responsible for this? And we're really asking genuinely, we really want to know the ego will hate it, right? The ego will not like to take responsibility. Why I kept attracting damsels in distress and all these nightmare relationships that I had. It was so nice to blame them. Oh, my ex-wife was this and that. Oh, my ex-fiance. Oh, she was a workaholic. All the women I met online. Ah, oh, they're just crazy women out there. <laughs> you know, no, to say I was responsible for this. So that to me, that's that that's the the on-ramp to personal growth. You won't have any personal growth if you live in the world that life happens to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I also, it's interesting that you use it's happening by me because what I use, it's, it's happening for me, which is almost like a very empowered approach. And it's well, almost that's a, that's the step beyond it. Right. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's, it's to me, by me, for me, and as me. Right. So there's even a deeper uh, level. The Eckhart Tolle wow. level, like the, uh, the, the oneness level, the the, oneness. The, right. The non-duality mm -hmm. level, but we're, most people are just trying to get out of a victim consciousness to a creator consciousness mm -hmm. and making that leap of taking responsibility and looking at your life saying, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. Right. Because yes. it empowers you because once you recognize mm -hmm. I'm writing the script, well, if you wrote it this way, well, then you can rewrite the script. Yeah. But if somebody else is writing it for you, well, what are you going to do? 
Oh, I'm stuck. Well, this is my lot. Oh, this life sucks. And then you die. Right. I mean, you're, uh, you're just at the effect of whoever else is doing this to you. But when you claim that responsibility is a little bit of like, crap, why did I do this to myself? Why did I write my love story like this? But when you know you're writing it, well, I can write a happy ending because I'm the one writing it. It's so empowering. That's something new I learned that there's those layers because I, I skipped the by me. I still have wounds and things that I'm healing and working through that do. And I recognize they are rooted in victim mentality. And I didn't even realize I, I took a whole, you know, I, there, there are things that I, I still believe that both consciously and subconsciously, I personally have not yet taken responsibility for. Oh, good for so, you. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, then there's so many great things coming your way because once yeah. you put yourself on that track, oh, yeah, the universe is going to be all over you. <laughs> For sure. I think there's a level of almost like dignity that surfaces as well in that. I think that's the word that comes to mind. So that's, I'm, I'm learning new things, which is really cool. Um, I think this would probably be the juiciest part of our conversation, but I know you do also specialize in kind of understanding the masculine and feminine characteristics mm-hmm. and how they play into attractiveness. So I know we've talked a little bit about um, the idea of openness and the, the more open you are, the more subconsciously others can sense this energy and say, oh, hey, like, I'm attracted to this person because energetically they're open. Um, what, what other characteristics play into that? And then how do we define them as masculine and feminine? This is still something that I'm learning about and exploring. So interested in yeah. hearing your, your take. Okay. So a masculine and feminine discussion might require three hours to do it justice, right? Because there's <laughs> so many nuances. Yeah. And, I bet. In t- and in today's world with the gender identity issues going on, there's lots of caveats with this. So sure. it can, it can sound very old fashioned. It can sound very exclusive rather than inclusive and but a proper understanding of what i mean by masculine and feminine is not that they really have nothing to do with genders they are energies in the universe they are um they're present everywhere when you plug something into the wall it's got two prongs there's a masculine and feminine your car battery's got two a red one and a black one right so attraction is those opposite energies like a magnet right Two magnets of the same energy, you can't put them together. They push each other apart. But of their, if they're opposite, they, they draw to each other. So that's what masculine and feminine is. Now, to try to keep it kind of short and sweet here, the masculine, the way the masculine shows up or how it's displayed is what I would call presence. It's, it's a space. I actually use like a river to make this analogy. The masculine is the banks of the river. And if you want to be a very attractive masculine being, you want to be wide and deep in your presence. You want to know how to pay attention, especially to a woman when you're with her. You want to be a space for her to flow because the feminine is the water. Feminine is always moving and shifting and it's different. It can be treacherous. It can be beautiful. You know what I mean? So you put those together and you've got a beautiful river. The masculine is sort of guiding, directing, holding a space for the the water to be free and to flow. Feminine without masculine, the water goes everywhere. Masculine without water is just a dry hole in the ground. Okay. So 
we're drawn to each other because we almost fulfill each other in some way, right? So when I'm talking to a masculine person, and it's, by the way, it's not always, men do not always have a, mm -hmm. the masculine as their lead energy. Sure. Most do, but not always. And not all women have the feminine as their lead energy. I, I, I don't think Hillary Clinton is, is governed by the feminine. We, we all have both, mm -hmm. right? Like I have a feminine side, but I'm much more at home in my masculine. My wife is much more at home in her feminine, right? So when a masculine person is sort of unblocked and free and, and you know, the terms for the life force, right? Um, in Chinese, it's chi. In the, mm -hmm. in, the, in the Hindu, it's Shakti. In Christian, it's spirit, okay? When the, when the, the chi and the Shakti and the spirit are flowing through a masculine being, it comes out as presence. Deep conscious awareness, an ability to be with someone and hear what they're saying, know what they're feeling, kind of understand what they're wanting. You're, you're connecting with someone from your head, your heart, and your gut. That, that's what I want to help men, masculine beings do is presence. When a feminine person, that energy and that life force is flowing in them, it's, it's felt as radiance. Radiance, I don't mean beauty in a conventional way. It's got nothing to do with how high your cheekbones are or how big your boobs are. It's not any of that. It's got nothing to do with the conventional forms of beauty. Radiance is an energy. Wow, yeah, I, I never understood if you could characterize it into one word, what that healed masculine or feminine would look like. Because you, you always hear that nowadays in new age spirituality, especially you hear the divine masculine and divine feminine. And um, there's almost like a checklist to different ways that they present themselves. But I think yeah. it, it's very fascinating to have it be in that one that one word or that one um, almost like energy form, if you will. Yeah. So um, there were just so many gems I think that we've chatted about. And for people who are just interested in learning more, I know there's a lot of gems in your book. You offer a couple of free resources and you do have yeah. um, a special offer for our listeners. So I'm going to let you explain that a little yes. bit more in detail. Yes. And by the way, that masculine feminine, that energy sort of work is another one of the muscles. It's your relationship to your energy as a masculine being or a feminine being, right? So yes, so the free gift I offer is, it's a little bit like, since I call myself a trainer, like if you went to the gym and you wanted to hire a personal trainer to help you just get ripped, like get in great physical shape, any good physical trainer is gonna first run you through a bu bunch of assessments to find out in what kind of condition are you now? Where are you strong? Where are you weak? They're gonna they're going to do an assessment so then they can put a plan together to get you where you want to go. Well, I started thinking we should do that for our love lives. You say, I, I want to, where I want to go is I want to be in this healthy, sustainable, long-term, intimate, just awesome relationship, right? That's where I want to go. Well, in order to have that, you got to be in good shape. What if I could design a way to discover your current relationship fitness level? Would that be interesting to know where am I starting from? Where am I strong? Where am I weak? Right? So that's what I've done on my website. And I think you're going to link to it in the show notes is I have something called the relationship fitness self-assessment test. 
Now it's a 30 question true false test. It takes you about four or five minutes to take. Um, it is absolutely confidential. Even I don't see your results. Okay. But here's the key. It is really accurate. And most likely, if you're not in a great relationship, the test is going to tell you, you, you got to get in better shape. So I just let people know that there's five categories that the test is going to put you into based upon how you answer the 30 true false questions. You're either going to be ripped, which means you're good to go. All right. Or you can be skinny fat, you know, right. You're looking pretty good, but you've got a little things to work on, but generally you're pretty good. Or you can be overweight or unhealthy or the category that I was in, like I didn't talk much about my story, but I took my own test, even though I wrote it, but I took it from the, the perspectives I had back in the day before I did my work. And my wife did too. And we both scored in the lowest level, dangerously out of shape, which made perfect sense because I was married and got divorced and rebounded into a relationship, got engaged and she dumped me and I went online and had a, yeah. I mean, if the test said that I was ripped, it'd be a lousy test. <laughs> so if you take it, mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen, but you might, you might get a little eye opener that you might need to do a little bit more work than you think. So I always want to tell people, you know, just be ready. Perhaps it's going to say you're doing wonderful, but mm -hmm. if you look at your love life history, if it's not wonderful and it's not about them, it's about you, then you probably should get some sort negative results. So on my website, coachingwithroy.com, you can get your relationship fitness self-assessment test and just find out now. And then when I work with people, we then talk about their test results and I put a program, a specific program together to get them in shape. Like which of these muscles do we have to focus on? Thank you, Roy, so much for, for all the gems, the free resources, the information you shared today. As always, um, those links will be in the description below. My phone number's right on the homepage, my cell phone number, right? So I am really accessible and easy to find. Perfect. Well, awesome, Roy. Thank you so much for walking us through this, opening our eyes to what it really means to kind of foster and cultivate that healthy lifestyle within oneself to ultimately find whatever is in alignment for us. So I appreciate you coming on here, taking the time and to all our listeners tuning in again. Thank you guys for coming in and listening to this episode of Rising and I will see you all here in our next episode.